What's up, y'all? It's Patrick. Welcome to another episode of Life in Commune. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. For all of our listeners out there on Spotify and Apple, please rate the podcast, subscribe, let us know what you think. We love hearing your feedback, and the ratings really go a long way to helping us spread the vibe. Make sure also to come practice with us at communeyogastudio.com. We have new classes coming for you every single day, as well as monthly practice paths that can kind of help you shape your yoga journey from wherever you are in the world. Visit us there at www.communeyogastudio.com, and uh, we'd love to have you on, and we'd love to have you as part of our crew. Peace. CJ, I think you need to start this episode off with like a McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. I, I do need a signature one, but I'll give an all right, all right, all right. <laughs> That's your boy. I, I think that was good. Um, the, the reason I wanted you to toss it out there is our warm-up question of the day is, what makes you blush? What makes oh, you blush? Oh, that's why you wouldn't tell us ahead of time. Yeah, of course. There needs to be some element of a warm-up to the warm-up question. It's got to, like, throw you off a little bit. It's got to get the energy going. Blush in, like, you're embarrassed or blush in, like, bashful? Because I think there's two I, different I, I blushes. I think either or. I think whatever you feel like. Anything, anytime moment. eating out, at, out for dinner with my dad. I blush because I'm embarrassed. Because he, <laughs> has, because he has conversations with everyone. And I'm just like, oh. Just, let's just eat our food. The, the, wait, the waitress is nice. The waiter is nice. They're they're very, you know, he's got a sense about what he's got to say. But <laughs> me and my brother just is like, what? why? Like, yeah. he'll be like, he'll try, like, he'll say something. And then she, like, he or she, whoever's waiting on us, like, wouldn't, like, hear him. And, but he would repeat it and just make sure, like. <laughs> he'll just keep the game going. If he thinks it's funny, he'll make sure that his jokes are heard. <laughs> Love you, Dad. But yes, that brings me red. She's going next. I guess I'll go next. I mean, <laughs> it's. This moment I right mean, now. yes. I was about to say this exact moment. Like every time I just sit here and a camera's on me or anything, and then all this pressure, everyone's on me right now. If I'm like the center of attention, I get real nervous sometimes. Ironically enough, I know I'm a teacher, so it's like weird. But you guys are like in your zone. You're not watching me, like looking at me. But like, if I feel like eyes on me, I start to instantly blush. <laughs> so, Kylie. Uh, uh, when people are real loud, when I'm with a group of people and everyone's being real loud and people are turning around, like, who are those loud people? Like at the movies? Like at the movies. Mm -hmm. if, if, if Patrick's whispering to me in the movies, I'm like, yeah, yeah, shh, shh, shh. Like, oh, okay, 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 quiet. I just... You hate any form of embarrassment. Well, or like, yeah. yeah, I hate to be embarrassed. I think that's pretty universal, like, if it's embarrassing. Mm -hmm. But I, growing up, a lot of my friends were super loud, and I was always the person in the group that was like, you guys, stop. And so I still feel that way. I want everyone to, like, be at, what's the word for room temperature? Like, just a moderate volume <laughs> all the time. Like, nobody, nobody yelling. Don't bring too much attention, but, like, be heard. But please be generally quiet. That's me, so though. You, I ask you're, every just, you're such a rule follower. That's a, that is so your game. You just love to be a little rule follower. I'm not sure I love it. I think it's just innately who I am. My essence <laughs> just, nature just, is that I like to follow the rules. <laughs> I'm not getting in trouble. <laughs> I do not Fair like getting in trouble. What's That's yours? It. What makes you blush? Uh, when people like compliments. Oh yeah, you cannot take them well. No, not at all. It's like this is. <laughs> oh, I have a better answer for you. Uh, your answer is better than my answer. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, let me hey. stop you right there, partner. Hey, hey, you, That's you, you wrong. I tell you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just because the main reason is because I don't have anything to say back. Mm. 
Um, and I know I that the moment that. you're thinking about is um, is cheesy parts in movies. Oh my god! I anything. cannot handle it. You could like those I awkward can, scenes. No, not, not even that awkward. awkward. Dude. It's like <laughs> just, we can watch a movie. There's all sorts of intensity the whole time, and you could be glued to it. And as soon as like there's a touching like parent kid scene or a touching like romantic scene where they're like, oh, I do love you. I love you too. He's like, <laughs> and can't talk and can't look. And he's like, have you ever thought about like if the penguins at the zoo? You will do any, you'll talk about anything to not watch those moments of any show. It could be on the office. And if it's cringy in the 1% to you, you can't handle it. I cannot, it. I cannot handle cringy it's things. It's your whole body blushes. Like it's it just, does. It's, yeah. That's Michael Scott. Yeah. The majority of episodes <laughs> it's probably why i like the show but yeah no I, I really can't handle that as well it definitely does but it's the, i wouldn't say that's blush it just makes it's just like it's the cringiness of it i feel i guess it feels like different to me but that definitely is something i struggle I've with i've seen some some rosy cheeks in those moments uh I, I wouldn't say it's rosy cheeks though but that's fair that's your interpretation of it and that's your uh your reality so it might as well be true <laughs> The teacher speaks again. All right. Um, what do we have on the docket this week? Okay, cool. So the first question we're going to hop into is, how do I get better? I go to class all the time, but I am not progressing. What should I do? I think this is a really common question. I think this is something that definitely comes up uh, quite a bit, probably around uh, students maybe second year mm -hmm. into practice, I would say, because you have that initial bump. Yeah, the real quick climb when you get into something and you get really devoted. There's well, essentially, it's like if you never stretched before and you start doing yoga, like you get more flexible yes. just straight away because you're just starting to explore range of motion. And so then all of a sudden you're like, oh, like I can do more things. Yes. So, you, so not only are you, is your body able to do more, but also you're getting more coordinated. Mm -hmm. Well, and you're invested in the practice, so you're probably at that point practicing a decent amount. So it's a drastic change in other parts of your lifestyle. What's the... Oh God, is it Richard Freeman? The quote that says um, yoga will ruin your life. And it's about how yoga will ruin your life because as soon as you start practicing yoga, you start paying attention to everything else. You start paying attention to how things make you feel and what you eat and how you sleep and how you felt before practice and after practice. So yoga will ruin your life because all of a sudden it becomes such a big input on your life. So I think that those first, whatever, six months, six, eight months of practice, you're in that state of like being deeply impacted by the practice. So it feels dramatic. And then a lot of times you kind of hit that, you know, I don't want to say plateau because I think people I think take you that to your, I think you get into your groove. And yeah. you start, mm -hmm. I think we were talking about this maybe last week or the week before, kind of about when you're teaching in person, um, it's more about the vibe and the experience of class. And so I think when you're newer to practicing, you're just trying to make sure that you can keep up. Like there's that social pressure that comes with doing literally anything in a group ever. Um, but then after you kind of get through that process, you're like, okay, I kind of know like what the general theme of the class is going to be or kind of what's going to happen. Um, so, and I know I can generally keep up with the, the, you know, everyone else in the room. Then you just kind of get into your, your groove of things. And you're not necessarily as concerned with progress. And then like, you know, two years in, you're like, Hey, wait, I've been kind of been doing these poses the same for the last bit. So, uh, you know, I want to, I want to improve. I want to get better. Well, anyways, to y'all, what, uh, what would you, th what would you say would help you improve your practice? Like what types of things would you focus on or consider? Vision for what you want the practice to be for yourself. Mm. Like, do you care about handstands? Do you care about triangle pose? What, what, what poses do you care about? What do you want to connect with? 
and with anything um, it takes time effort energy and um, finding the right people that you trust to teach teach you the the process but um, yoga is so fucking finicky because <laughs> it does there's not like wrong everything yeah. else there's yeah. there's a right and a wrong mm -hmm. way but yoga is so personal preference subjective from each time that you get on the mat that being just mm, I guess, I guess being patient with, with the process of things and understanding things take time. Like no one comes out and just is dominant in every little thing. To me, it, it's more so what's your vision for, like if you were trying to learn an instrument or trying to learn other things, like what's your vision for it? What are, like in being realistic with um, the time that you spend practicing, I think so many times people want to do X, Y, or Z, but they spend not no time doing it so it's like being being honest with yourself of where you're at and i'm not trying to sound like super harsh right now um but being being honest with where you're at that's helped me tremendously i i when i was practicing having those moments that you were talking about of uh kind of just going through motions or different things and like oh like i really haven't progressed in this and then asking yourself why and if you're honest with yourself it's usually because you didn't spend the time effort and energy you know kind of doing things so I think it's a lot of times for me, uh, or just in general, I think just learning more about maybe the body or taking a course towards it, or maybe saying, I want to get a private so you can like think specifically on things you want to work with mm -hmm. and you can reach out and maybe cultivate a relationship in that way. Um, cause I think the more that you can understand your body, cause a lot of times you're going through the motions of the poses, but like when you learn to tap into different nuances of like how your body moves, cause every single day it pretty much moves different. You have certain things, you know, one side that's better than the other and learning to understand your body in relation to like what's being taught to you, I think um, will help you grow. And I just see, I think being curious even outside of your mat. So when you're not in that one hour class, um, being like, what things found you, did you find interesting? And then trying to, I don't know, go and go in your own zone, turn some music on and just see what happens. Um, I think there's lots of different ways you can grow in your practice. Yeah. I really like two of the things that both of you said there. Uh, for one, if you're actively interested in improving your practice, an element of home practice is, I think, essential. Yeah. It's, I think it's a requirement of it because it gives you the opportunity to really focus in on one or two specific areas or just let your own intuition guide you into the places that you want to go, whether that's flowing from pose to pose or, you know, like spending 10 to 15 minutes a day working on handstand or your back bending or your hip opening or honestly anything that you're interested in. Um, and I think beginning to develop that interest is also a key to, uh, to improving your practice. One of the things that we say all the time in our teacher training programs is growth comes from limitation. And so the, the quickest way to get better at something is to eliminate distractions and put your focus into one area. That way, you're at least going to really begin to develop some sort of physical, mental, spiritual awareness in that zone. And that's going to help you, I think, tremendously not only understand how much something means to be you'll actually get a perspective on that on doing that activity uh, one of the things that we also do often when we teach like our inversion training modules we have everybody uh, the homework for the training after the end of like the four or five day period of time that we do the training is to write down your 20 minute daily handstand practice that you're going to do for the next month and then you email us you know and tell us how it went and whether it went good bad or indifferent at least you got information based on how that went. you could have went home and been like totally crushing it you know the whole month and all of a sudden you can do all these new things you could have went home and like 
never mustered up the energy to ever <laughs> to ever even walk yourself through that sequence and and that that's just knowledge that's just like hey for whatever reason this didn't spark my interest and and you're like okay well that there's something to that well i like practicing handstand in class and this is obviously just one example i find that when i'm by myself that i don't have that motivation i don't have that interest I, I will say that, that it's it, all this stuff is really important because I don't believe it's very easy to like learn how to do handstand just from going to or a more complicated pose in general by just going to class because you mm -hmm. just don't get the rep counts. Agreed. Like even in our classes and not the not the handstand one. We're just using this as an example to be honest because it's an easy one. I just want to keep referencing that <laughs> so it's not like the main focus, but. Um, in any of the class at the studio, you just wouldn't even do enough handstands to actually make real, real, real progress. Like you may do enough to like, oh, like, you know, kind of affirm what you already can do, but it's not gonna be enough to really build up, if you will. I think this is where things like workshops, continuing education, mm -hmm. picking some books about yoga, if you're talking about improving your asana practice, specifically asana-based books, you know, finding teachers that you resonate with, booking privates, all those kinds of things, they do, it's hard because all that requires time outside of your like prescribed yoga practice and not everyone has that time. So it depends like what CJ said on what your, what your vision is for it. But even if you just think about the classes you take with us here at Commune, you know, aside from a hyper-focused handstand class or sometimes the mobility classes, which are usually much more focused on like a specific thing, you know, you might do something in a class with us one time, two times, maybe three times, and then we might not revisit it for like months. The other, last week I think I taught Bird of Paradise only because Shelby and I were talking about Bird of Paradise before I went into teach class. Can you tell them why you were talking about Bird of Paradise? Because I think it's a great story. <laughs> uh, we were talking about Bird of Paradise <laughs> because my dude CJ right here uh, <laughs> took class with me uh, one time and he jogged here in his little shorty shorts that these guys <laughs> like to wear. And he was like, man, this is all I have for, for class. I did. I remember. Yeah, I didn't do birds. We had the setup. I said, hey, my bird ain't flying. So. <laughs> yeah, he said, I'll mock it. And I was like, that's fine. People need modifications. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, please don't even try to go keep, into keep it. Keep that wing on the floor, my I friend. Forgot. I forgot about that. But it was when we That's had funny. that setup, it was so funny because, like, we had the setup once where one mat was facing horizontal to the camera and one was dead on. And that's CJ's. <laughs> I was and I was on. just like, just go with the flow, but, like, I don't want things flying anywhere that they don't need to go. <laughs> So then you got Carling's Bird of Paradise class. <laughs> there you go. Well, so if you're trying to learn Bird of Paradise, you know, I hadn't taught that posture in maybe, I don't know, six months or something like that. So if you're trying to learn it and it's your first time and there's one class and one opportunity to do it, especially in person where it's like truly this is like the moment of class, it, it's not really always designed to be a learning environment. Like often classes are designed to be experiential and to create um, a, a feeling, a, a impact in that moment. But things like workshops, continuing education, that's the kind of stuff where you do have that extra time as a teacher also to break things down, to walk around the room, to help people one-on-one. -on -one. And I think that it's hard because I understand that all those things can be cost prohibitive to do extra, but that's often where more of that specific learning and progression comes, right? We will see people in arm balance workshops just because again, these big categories of posts are the things that typically become workshops because you don't work on them that much in class. But in those ones, someone may have been practicing for years and they just haven't ever figured something out, not because they weren't capable of doing it, but just because they haven't had the time or attention to sit down and like, oh, have you tried moving your foot 
two inches to the left, like, oh shit, that's all I needed to do this whole time? And sometimes the answer is, yeah, that's all it needed. You just needed a keen eye um, or the time to sit down and do it with the help of someone else. And that just doesn't happen in a general vinyasa class most of the time. So it's just not necessarily designed for that. Especially if you go to the same person over and over mm -hmm. and if you're only getting one experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, you know, cool. learning, it could be, you could be learning something and a, another teacher, you're like, oh, wow, they said it. Wow, that actually clicks. That makes sense. Whatever I w whatever was said before, not necessarily was wrong, but it's just like that was just hearing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's important to try to understand, you know, when things land for you, and then also elaborating on something that CJ said, and just referencing it to me pretending to learn how to play the guitar. One of the um, <laughs> one of the videos I watched was like because I've been watching all these like tips for like if I could restart my guitar playing career, what are the things I would like do and one of the, and one of them was uh decide what kind of music you want to play mm -hmm. and then start practicing things that play into that type of music because there's so many like saying i'm gonna play the guitar is just like saying hey i'm gonna go do yoga yeah. that can mean what so type? many mm -hmm. different things it's so broad um in its spectrum and so it if you really want to like dial into a specific thing being clear about what's interesting to you and what you want to learn out of the experience, I think is really important. Well, because you can also progress your your practice, you can like progress in air quotes, in a myriad of ways, right? Like you so can progress ways. linearly, if you're talking about the Ashtanga practice, like what's the next pose, what's the next pose, what's the next pose, that's progression. But you could also progress your practice in a way that you are becoming more, I don't know, worldly, right? Like you just said, doing yoga is a lot like playing music or we often say it's a lot like playing sports like yeah. saying i'm gonna go do yoga is like saying i'm gonna go do sport like well, what kind of sport what lineage of yoga are you what what style and so you could progress your practice or enhance your yoga iq by dipping your toe into many different types of practices and seeing how those all work together so you might spend some time doing kundalini and spend some time doing awakening and spend some time doing ashtanga and all of those things will feed in and progress your practice just in a more broad sense rather than a straight linear sense so yeah I, I also think there's something to be said for little parts of your practice that are progressing like oh you're holding your float time for longer you can mm -hmm. do more push-ups you're there's more of a coordination in your transitions mm -hmm. you know you're hitting your end ranges a little bit more um, there's more overall controls. You go from space to space. You're really mindful in your transitions. Like all of that stuff is progress. Like I think that progress is one of the things that's really hard to define because just like anything in this practice, it is personal and it really depends on what, what, um, what certain things mean to you. And you know, like you, your version of progress, and this will actually lead us into the next question, is like maybe you just want to go through Shelby's functional freedom flow and not make a mistake. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like maybe that maybe that is your aim. Yeah. It's like because there's so many different things going on in that type of mm -hmm. class, that type of practice. And so maybe you're like, hey, I just want to be able to go through that and feel like I know where my right hand, left hand, right foot, mm -hmm. and left foot all are at the same time. And like I know where those pieces are and I know how the rest of my body is organized in space to make some of those things a reality. Like I think that's mainly I think because that's always been so much more of an interest to me mm -hmm. in in my journey than peak poses. Uh, th seeing progress in that way has always sparked my interest. 
And so I feel like yoga is just one of those journeys that when you jump on it and you just kind of keep continuing it as it continues to evolve like forever, as long as you want to practice it, it's like you're unlocking new keys every time. Cause there's so many different pieces to the practice spiritually, energetically, emotionally. There's like, you can talk about physicality as well, but there's so many different levels you can take it to. And I feel like every time or every year that comes around, it's like there's a new piece that I'm wanting to perfect or get better at or enjoy more or things just spark your interest. So like everyone has said, just getting specific, I think on just like what pieces you want to grow because you can't just snap at your fingers or take a magic pill and be like, I'm great at yoga overnight. And because I don't think there's ever like great, you're just striving for whatever you want out of the practice ultimately. So I also think that with that, and a really important point that you made there is just, you can't all of a sudden say, okay, I'm gonna be start getting good at this, and this, and mm -hmm. this, and this, and this, all at once. All at once. Like, yeah. that's not a reality. Um, you know, you may get subtly better at all of those things just by showing up and doing the practice totally. in some capacity, but to really, really improve, it's like finding your ability to hone in mm -hmm. and then, you know, build from there, I think it's good. It's something easy you can do is if you're extra rangy or super strong those are two things you can look at like for someone like me my tips for handstand was don't do open up your shoulders i remember like towards the beginning of like oops just making sure that just happened uh <laughs> making sure that uh everything is like in light if you need the space for handstands making sure that you open up the shoulders and um mm -hmm. i didn't need a lot of the strength stuff i needed more of the opening that I didn't necessarily want to work on, but that's something that I needed to to do more of to be proficient at that. So being, again, just honest with where you need to be. Yeah. All right. Speaking of functional freedom, Shelby, tell us about it. Where does it come from? What's the what's the vibe of functional freedom? Give us a little Did you create the style? No, I didn't create it. I think yeah, I'm <laughs> you like. You didn't just snap your fingers out of No, <laughs> I didn't just say, I'm going to start, you know, floating all the way around my mat. Now, the new journey of functional freedom has been contained to a mat, which has been a whole new journey, but it makes it really fun and familiar. You guys can like have a runway of reference, I guess you could say. But, um, Functional freedom is a blend of just a lot of different movement experience. I'd say it's taking components of yoga and components of functional movement in general, which in Awakening we do a lot of. It's pretty much how we've kind of transformed or they've transformed the asana practice. And I think it's just taking... Um, lots of different little nuggets from videos you watch, people you've trained under, and then here it is. I mean, like, I don't really know. I just got curious outside of my mat, literally outside of it, and just started moving around one day. I took a piece of a video, and I just started to run with it, and it just became kind of obsessive, and I liked it a lot, and I just started doing it all the time, and I know that you guys out there that are taking the classes – the more that you do it, it becomes a lot more fun because you get to learn, you know, the flow of the energy. You can feel the way your body is wanting to move. And it's like it rejects you when you try to go one way. And it's like, nope, that's not what I was supposed to do. Um, and it's a really cool thing. So the journey itself has been really fun just cultivating. And you guys are awesome that are rocking with me, too, on this journey because I'm learning, too. You guys are like my little test mates out there. But uh, it's just been really fun. And um yeah, it's just basically a blend of a ton of different things. There's like animal flow in it. There's people who call it primal flow. Um, lots of different types of blends into she, what we do you is think now. When we open back up in person, do you think you want to teach functional freedom in studio? And do you think that you'll make people get mats? <laughs> 
So that's a really interesting question. It would have to be a limited size limit class yeah. because I think what I did learn when I used to teach it in person, it'd be like six people max. And we had no mats. We had just had a big floor and we were just moving. And people were getting frustrated. I mean, the lefts and rights seeing it on their face was epic. And I know you guys probably feel that. But once they started to get it clicking, like once it started like working and they, I could see it like unlocking in their minds. It was an awesome feeling. Yeah. So I'd love to teach it in person because I think it makes it more fun. And then people I think would understand more. They can ask questions when they're like, why is it going that way or anything? Like, I don't know. I can't, I can't tell you because, you know, so if you have any questions for me, shoot me out, you know, I'm here for that. But um, <laughs> helps me in my learning process as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're all just kind of all on this journey learning together. Yeah, if you were good. to teach it in person, would you run into the wall and you be doing demonstrations? Dude, or what? he's asking me this because when we do our flow sessions, it's like I'm a magnet to the wall. I don't know what <laughs> happens. The energy runs straight into wall. And I'm like, that's not really where we're supposed to be heading. I'm, I'm trying to get away from that. So um, that's very much a reality probably for you guys as well. Like I'd probably see lots of people going to the wall and I'd be like, I feel you. <laughs> I get it. Uh, I will post a video probably soon sometime on Instagram of like the blooper reel of what reality looks like in those types of <laughs> sessions because there's some pretty good stuff because uh, I promise it might seem like I know where I'm going sometimes but it takes a lot of just time you know we all are in that same same position same, same growth space. Yeah. Uh, yeah for sure Colleen when are we opening back up in person what uh, is the reality of that that is a question that came through and yeah. you are the best I like how he gave it to you what do you think um what do I think? I think that we are not opening until September. That's my, that's my like, in-house. Like, our goal is to be open in, as best we can, like, pending all things going, like, in the direction they seem to be going in the United States and in our region with COVID and all that by the end of summer. Uh, our hope is that by the time we can open our doors, there are no longer the big mask mandates and everyone feels really comfortable and wants to be here. Part of the reason we haven't opened yet, even though technically we could be open, I think at 25% capacity, and there's been, you know, off and on with that, is just because, I mean, yoga is a respiratory practice. It is uh, fundamentally about breathing. And so being in a room, moving together, but not being able to do the pranayama part of the practice just doesn't feel right. And if we don't feel comfortable as teachers in the room, even if y'all are coming to class, I don't think you're going to feel as comfortable in the studio as I would like you to feel. So it, it, for us, we, we deeply miss students, but we're going to keep thriving here and making sure that you and your families are thriving at home until we feel like everyone is going to be here and feel okay about being here. Because part of the practice too is like you come into this room, you're transported onto your mat into the world of yoga and it's separate. And if, you know, if anxiety is looming about the current events in the world, I'm not sure that we're doing our job creating the environment that we're trying to create in the studio. Have you been to Commune before or when we were open? Because there's not really, there's just when we're open and now. Yeah, now. <laughs> um, you, you would know that it's very much a vibe. It's a very lively, loud a lot place. Of there's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of energy going on. I can't say it's super on. zen here usually. It's like very much community vibes. Yeah, it's, it's very, very much a community vibe. It's a lot of vibe. hugs and friends and sweat and like, I just good think that's times. one of the magic yeah, vibes. Good times. No, amazing times and amazing vibes. But I, I just, until we have the ability to have that again, mm -hmm. it just seems kind of weird. And I, I teaching with a mask on or having everyone practice with a mask on, mm -hmm. I, 
I mean, I don't like wearing a mask as it is. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when we have to go into the stores and stuff like that and, and mask double up like you're supposed in. to do double mask. Like I'm like, man, this is not fun. Let's get out of here. It's not enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely follow all that stuff, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not an exciting experience to wear a mask. And so to, to wear one while you're teaching and sweating mm-hmm. and, and speaking to a group of people, mm-hmm. it just seems like it, it just doesn't seem interesting to to me yeah. at all. And I also, I think just comfort. Like I want people to be comfortable talking to anybody like they always Agreed. have been at the studio. And then that, you know, communal energy is something that I think we all feed off of. And, uh, you know, not only as teachers, but as students. And you, you see people you know, and you get to, you know, see a lot of the same people every single day. And um, you can make it, you have little inside jokes with everybody. And it's just a fun vibe. Mm-hmm. I feel like you were about to jump in on that one. You were just nodding. And I'm just, I'm in green. Yeah. Nodding. I mean, I wish that, that, I wish that I had better insight, just like always. I mean, we've, I remember when we thought we were going to open up May 5th. That was the time I was like, we got to get all these improvements done in the studio and repaint and da, 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 da. But by May 5th, we're going to reopen. It was like, <laughs> okay, Carling. So, I mean, I don't know any more than anyone else does, but that's kind of what we're shooting for. And that's what our, we have our fingers crossed yeah. for. We do have fun plans for coming back though. So we don't, don't you worry about that. We have lots of fun we're plans for coming well. back. Yeah, we totally, we totally are. We have lots of fun plans for coming back, and online will 100% be here mm-hmm. as well as in person. So uh, that's something that's also really exciting for us because in in many ways, having to close down the studio um, for the time being feels like a step back, but it's actually allowed us to take a big step forward in terms of something, something that uh, Carling and I have kind of always wanted to do, and so we've actually had the opportunity to do that with creating Commune Online and... Uh, with the whole team and, and doing so in a way that we always really felt was the best experience for an online platform. And so that to us is really exciting because it's something that's constantly evolving and constantly growing and shifting just like an, an in-person studio would form and function. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, somebody takes CJ's class on Thursday night and they're like, man, that was the raddest class ever. Like I sweat through eight t-shirts <laughs> and then you come back the next class and it's like a completely different experience and that's what that's what we want like that's what the class is to us that's what our experience that we're trying to bring to the table is is this this ever shifting changing growing you know kind of experience for people and and um you know when that's as we begin to cultivate more of that online, then bringing that back in person is just going to be really sweet. So I'm just yeah, excited about that. Yeah, and both will be happening simultaneously once we're open. Online's not going anywhere. If anything, yeah. online will be hopefully enhanced by being able to have live stream classes as well, you know, so that you're not just watching one of us on camera. You can feel like you're in class with us, right? You can feel you can feel the energy. You can hear teachers talking to real students. You know, you're, you're dropped kind of, you're like a fly on the wall or dropped into that actual class experience, which is something that... Patrick and I, from years and years ago, I don't know, maybe a decade ago, for them, there was a studio. Longer than that. Longer yeah. than that. A studio in LA used to have just like, I swear it was probably like one, a little like first edition GoPro up in the back corner that we would practice in. I think it was the camera we were originally shooting with. Oh, the like little, the, <coughs> the little Vixia. camcorder. Yeah, the little Vixia yeah. camcorder. So this studio used to, uh, it was called Yogi's Anonymous. It's a little studio in Santa Monica, and they used to have this just a camera up in the back corner. So Patrick and I, we could practice with teachers that we adored in LA from home, but it felt there wasn't any yoga glow. There wasn't any aloe moves, any Cody, any anything. There was 
Rodney DVDs and there was, you know, these online classes that we would do. So we'd sit in our apartment and we'd do full 90 minute classes with teachers we loved. And I just remember feeling like I was in that class. I felt like I knew the students. I was like, oh, there's Dice in the front row. And oh, there's KK in the back. Look, she's working. Like, I felt like I was part of it. And so I think that's what we've always wanted to be able to figure out how to recreate um, and bring to our community as well because it was so special to us and very formative in our practices as well. Yeah. And and it just evolving the concept. Yeah, more totally. More so, um, because they did build a library. That was very yeah. much their concept. And mm -hmm. again, um, li libraries are cool, but I just think that a class is a class and having it exist for a finite period of time makes it real. There's so much more freedom for the teacher too. Yeah. Right? Because you teach a class and it has to live forever, but instead you can teach a class and let the experience breathe and be its thing and then you can move on and create something new, which is kind of a fundamental part of being a creative being as a teacher. Sheeps, what would that be like for you if a class had, it. had to exist forever? Oh, God. I guess you a little anxiety in thinking about it. Like, see me does my sweatshirt. Like, goodness gracious. Yeah, that'd be really intense just because as, as a teacher, you are ever-evolving. And so even just looking back, I was actually, you know, I think COVID, we probably all have gone back into some, some archives. And I've, like, gone back and found some archives that I'm like, wow, like, you were really doing that. So, so it's like I can only imagine, like, teaching my teaching journey because even just a year we've been doing this and from then to now I'm like wow I'm so glad that those aren't even here <laughs> oh gosh because that was that intense. video quality too was a little bit sus we, we, we were just learning on the fly just you know on the fly. Just, just figuring out and we didn't what even we have did. I think we just were using these lights we didn't have we lights didn't or anything no, we, <laughs> we just had like it was like a dim no, vibe we, we were using the uh the, the natural lights. light oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah we shot through the doors we were just opening up the doors yeah I'm really excited to, for when we do open, though, to see all of you all that have been practicing at home this whole time and, like, really still oh, steeped yeah. in the journey to then be able to come back to class and, like, give you a hug, but also to, like, see your practice because you've been doing this. And a home practice has, I don't know, I think a home practice, whether it's guided or whether it's on your own, but it has this different impact on you than going to class does. They think that they're both components of your long like lifelong asana practice but a home practice really cultivates this sense of self and like what i need in class because you're empowered like cj does something you don't want to do and you're like no I'm and not i'll and i'll tell you not to do it too yeah, and you're just like, <laughs> if you don't want to do it don't do it and you get this like sense of self that exists beyond the peer pressure of a regular class which totally. sometimes some of us need a little peer pressure on one of those people but other times it's nice because then you can roll back into the studio and feel like i understand what my body needs in my practice i understand how this practice works for me and now i can like really embody that when i get on my mat in public class again which i think mm -hmm. would be really cool to see mm -hmm. oh public class oh i know someday soon and someday soon we'll also travel and teach again someday you know soon? Someday Dude, and I'll be so nervous even that day comes around with real humans. I'm going to be like the first couple months. I'll probably be like, oh, my God, there's all these people in here. <laughs> like, I forgot what this feels like. It is weird to be in a room. But it'll be such good nervous. I'll be like, because once you guys get in your zone and then we can drop into the energy, gosh, mm -hmm. I can feel it now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, yeah. So that's that's the thought on opening. Um, so, again, hopefully, hopefully in the. Fall. Hopefully. Yeah. That's fall. the aim. Late summer fall. Late That's our summer goal. fall. And again, more more things coming with that. Yeah, more more things along the way. We'll keep sharing news because well, we have yeah. more news to share. What qualities do you appreciate in teachers that you practice with? Mm. What like taking from a yeah, teacher? Yeah, teachers that you, like that you practice from. with. What qualities do you appreciate? Uh, I appreciate 
I guess for just looking at the practice, I'm big into um, sequencing and not even necessarily in the most creative flamboyant way, but just in a way that makes sense to me. I always connect with teachers who uh, understand about ranges and not everyone can do birds of paradise even if they didn't have on shorties <laughs> that my, my, i'm really not let's be real i'm not flying i'm not flying whether i got shorties on or if i got pants on my bird ain't flying but my, my, my favorite thing about this is uh, shelby's a bit more of a planner and so i could just know that she was planned out and then she just saw, saw you show up and she was yeah. just like gave you that look just like being Gosh, just i was like dude i'm just gonna go ahead and let you know where we're heading today <laughs> Just so you're in the loop, you can stay on the branch. Stay, stay down. <laughs> Today's not the day to spread Today's those wings. Today's not the day to spread the wings. That's hilarious. But, like, uh, making sure that there's, like, enough options. And um, to me, the biggest thing, especially learning from you guys and taking you guys initially, uh, was being able to come in from a space, no matter how chaotic things are outside of the door, and then come into a space where you're immediately soothed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like you are just um, my favorite teachers can really just take control of the room and offer what they're wanting to offer. And I just I feel very safe about it. Mm, that's a good word. Good yeah, I was just say safe. safe. Someone I feel very, very safe. safe. Yeah, very like, room. oh, like I trust you um, through everything, through the tone to where we're starting to how we're moving. And then it's because everyone's a little bit timid. Well, at first, and then when you actually trust someone, it's like, oh, yeah, I trust. It's super fun to watch students who trust what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. What about you, Shaves? Who do you? What? Uh, I I was even just thinking. My immediate thought was your Vinyasa class. Uh, mm -hmm. just was like one of the greatest things. She's like the best energetic cuter alive, and just subtle body cuter. It's like, I hadn't had a class from her in a while because a lot of times. We've already taken classes that day, or, or I've taught a class that day, but like I actually turned on a Carling class at home, and I actually don't do that very often, we'll, we'll say. And it was like. Are you, are you blushing? <laughs> she does. And I was like, I was, wow, this is why I do yoga. Like this, like right here, because she allowed me to really drop into a place where I could drop out of the world and into my little space. And, um, Whenever you can like have someone pull you into a different reality, I think it's a super special feeling. Um, whether it's like maybe they moved you and kicked your ass that day, or maybe they really just energetically spoke to you and just touched your heart that day, and it was like exactly what you needed. Um, I think that there's lots of different qualities. I do like sequencing as well, of course. That's my super my jam, of course, as always. But um, and if I go in, I'm like, oh yeah, I know where we're heading. Like if they're opening me up, I feel prepared along the journey. I think it's super important and awesome. And yeah, I'd say those types of things me <laughs> of course yeah i didn't mean to like get you right there but i was like wow i actually because i saw your post and i was like i'm gonna actually take a class today and so i did and it was the best choice i made oh good oh, wow. this is a little heartwarming <laughs> moment did you cringe over there if that was a movie if that was a movie where you like oh no i'm just kidding no, no, no. i'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. It's, what gets me in the movie stuff is like the really sappy moments that are just like way too drawn out or, or like, that's your vibe is that rom-com energy. I just can't do it. I'm just like, get to the point, my dude. Like, pull the trigger or don't with this. But you know they can't because that's going to lead to a better ending or a sequel. So you know they, <laughs> so they can't have. You got to draw it out. Mainly a sequel. We need Bad Moms too. Exactly. You don't get Bad Moms Christmas without Bad Moms 1. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so bad. <laughs> 
PBU, what what do you gravitate towards in teachers? Yeah, for me, it's 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 honestly really simple that they care about what they're teaching and that they care about their students. So it's just like mm -hmm. like just those. How do two you measure things. that? Like as a practitioner, like what what gives you that sense? I think it's pretty easy to tell when somebody cares about what they're teaching. Yeah, I just I didn't think know there was like an indicator that pulls you in. Um, well, I think that when somebody really cares about what they're doing, it's just the nuance of everything. Like when someone cares about what they're doing you can tell because there's a nuance to the way that they share it. There's a nuance to how they teach it and they know a number, they've already considered a number of the details that a student might need to understand in order to make that practice a reality. And so that attention to detail really shows to me that the person cares about the craft of what they're offering. Um, because there's so many people in this world that can do truly amazing physical things. But to be able to share those things is a completely different game and a completely different process. And uh, and it takes time and, it, it, and really to cultivate that is a real commitment, not only to your craft, but to others learning the value of the craft. And, and I think that's so interesting because it's really how information is shared. You know what I mean? It's it's it's. This is kind of like a funny sports reference, but there's there's people who are like great coaches of a sport, right? And they may not be the best at the physical performance of the sport, obviously, um, even in their physical prime, but they're able to share information about what could be done in order to make that group of people come together and be successful in the activity, right? Whatever sport may be. Um, and then you see people who are, again, just like physically the greatest of all time. I mean, you look, look at Michael Jordan as a player versus Michael Jordan as a owner of the Charlotte Hornets, right? Like the, again, random sports references if you don't no, watch it's basketball. But not the same, not the but, same Michael Jordan. But we're not talking about the same levels of greatness <laughs> being achieved. Let's just keep it that simple. We're talking about, you right, six, six championships versus less than six playoff victories. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so there, there's just something to be said for not only being able to learn something, but to be able to share something in a way that other people can actually pick up on it. And I think that is so cool because it's, it's kind of the way that narratives and stories were passed on for generation and generation, which is just like that word of mouth style. And I really think that the, that kind of like this, one of these new movements is really like the, the physical word of mouth, if you will, like, can you transmute physical information so people can begin to embody these various positions and shapes or transitions and movements and sequences in such a way that it allows them to then be able to take it and then you know pass it on i think that's so unique and so cool i love what you said about try the way someone can place value on what you're learning and it's yeah. not about like placing on a pedestal or beating people over the head with like this is important you need to know this you need to know this but there is this like nuanced way that you that you can feel when a teacher is imparting the why like yeah. what it means to them and you almost by by second nature don't realize that all of a sudden it means something to you too right yeah, without exactly. having to explain it in so many words it's like it becomes this I don't know, this, this innate part of the transmission that they don't have to explain the why behind, but you can feel the value that, like the current that runs underneath it, that I, I think that's a really, it's interesting as a student, because you're right, you can't put like a tangible pin in it, yeah. but you can feel it when teachers really care. Yeah, and, and, you know, like I love the moments when something clicks for someone. I think CJ mm -hmm. was referencing this a moment ago when he was saying when people 
when you see people that finally trust what you're saying, you're like, oh, then things start to click. And I think that's so cool, especially when you see it in person, you're like, oh, hey, like that clicked for you today. And maybe it won't click for you tomorrow, but today that mm -hmm. clicked and hopefully it continues to, you know, over and over again. And that's really, you know, just like how things kind of are shared in, in this world in a lot of ways. Like there's something so experiential about this practice that can't be written down in books or recorded on video or or recorded on podcasts or said, like you have to go out there and do it. And, if, and by doing it, then you begin to learn Oh, now I understand why Shelby said this. Mm -hmm. Oh, now I understand why Carling said this. Oh, and now I understand why, you know, CJ's always talking about the shoulders. You know what I'm saying? Because that's such a big part of his process. And so innately that's going to be a big part of what he shares. Mm -hmm. And and that then gives perspective on the value, right? It gives a, an inference not only into the into the knowledge, but it gives a um, a direct example of how that knowledge can be applied and the value of it mm -hmm. yeah so that's kind of my thing what's yours i think mine's changed over time like as my practice has evolved and as i have changed as a person what i gravitate towards has changed like when i first came to the practice i think i i i liked a little bit more i don't know hard-ass teachers like teachers that i felt like we're gonna like you know, a little bit more old school, like do it this way, this is the way it's meant to be. I, and I think that's because I came from a background of cheerleading and dance and things like that where, you know, coaches might be nurturing one moment and they might call you fat <laughs> the next. So I was always kind of like thought, I thought that I reveled in this tough love place. Like I need someone to be like, get your shit together, Carling. And I think maybe at a certain point in my life I did, but maybe that was just like a little bit of like self-destruction just coming out in front of what teachers I chose. And now I find that I... It just reminds me of one of my best friends. He, uh, when CrossFit was like on its, in, on its rise, um, I, I, I remember we were having dinner with him and I was like, dog, you can get into this CrossFit? And he was like, dude, I worked out my whole life with people yelling at me from age, you know, <laughs> Uh, 10 to 22. I, I don't need any more of that in my life. Yeah, I'm not going to pay someone to yell at me now. Yeah, I'm not paying them to yell at but me at to work first, out. I did. I was like, give me a teacher who's going to like put me, like I thought that I wanted that. Cause, yeah. But then you realize, at least I did and, you know, John did. Yeah. <laughs> like that I actually, I don't really need that shit. And it didn't actually make me, I mean. And, and to be fair, maybe you do and maybe you and like that. I mean, and maybe, maybe By this, all is, means, this is just a comment fun. on me. I thought that that's what I needed and that's what I gravitated towards. And over time, I've come to realize that, you know, positive reinforcement goes a long way. <laughs> and I actually like a, a little bit more nurturing quality. And I found that as I gravitated towards teachers like that, it helped me put balance in my teaching too. Because mm -hmm. I was pretty dogmatic at first too. Like, this is the way. Right? Like, it's like this. Hips are here. This is alignment. You know, when you first come out of a teacher training, you just are like, I know all these things and I am right because my teacher told me so. Because that's like the transmission of information. That's the path. Um, but it took me a while to realize. I mean, I, my first practices were, were Bikram practices, right? Which is very much like, this is the thing. Break the pose. You know, all of the script. And so, you know, as my, as I trained with more people and as I spent more time in the practice and more time in home practice by myself and explored other avenues, I just realized that like, I do like some element of that. And I'm sure some of that's still present in my teaching to some extent, but I just realized that my practice flourished much more when I embraced the, 
the like nurturing side of it not necessarily easy but like a coaxing out of things from teachers instead of a like just do it attitude the just do it attitude never really pulled any positive qualities out of me because I, I don't think I'm a just do it kind of person I don't think you are either <laughs> I figured you would agree with that yeah. I just don't I don't think I am I, I need to be coaxed and like to have it needed out of me and it, and it took me a, a while to realize that so now I go to teachers and I feel like I can kind of sit in front or take class and like absorb what they have to offer instead of feeling like I have to like fall in line and conform which is what I spent so long doing so now that that balance is, is very important to me like if I go to a class and the teacher is flat out mean which you know there are mean teachers I I re, I am much less likely to think like oh I should just be here this is part of the practice and I'm more likely to say this teacher isn't for me yeah that's good though. It's good. To, it's yeah. good to know your. Well, How do you know what you want if you don't know what you don't want? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's good. It's good to you know find your flavor. Well, I think it's also vibe. that's also progression in the practice. Like uh, like advancing your practice is also figuring out how the practice works for you. Like having a hard ass teacher didn't didn't help my spiritual journey. Didn't take me where I where I think I had more potential to go. And so you know you have to tease it out till you find the right path. Speaking of finding your flavor. Yes. Food? No, ironically not food. Wow. What are your I was about ice cream. to say she, she was a pumped. I was. I instantly went to ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I know my flavor. Which which flavor is your your ice cream flavor of the moment since you since ice, ice cream flavor of the moment? Wow, I don't want to have I don't really have one at the moment. The one, the first one that I came to mind was Bluebell. Uh, I don't I think I've What's gotten Bluebell? it here. Bluebell is not found here in it's Seattle, like but it's like a brand. Oh, it's not a flavor. No, oh, but they had this thing called Cookie Two Step, and it was um, chocolate chip <laughs> cookie dough and cookies and cream blended into one, and it was magic. So. Hey, what's what's chocolate chip cookie dough and cookies and cream? Because wouldn't that just be cookie chocolate two chip? Step. That's Cookie Two Step. No, no I, I get that, but is it like? <laughs> but so we're talking two different cookies in the ice cream. We're talking about cookie dough chunks, and then the like, and the chocolate chips. And like the Oreos, it's all yeah, in yeah, vanilla so I was, ice cream. I was just saying just there's that third cookie in the mix yep. is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to. Yep, it is. Then that's, is. that's what you're speaking <laughs> With of. a little bit of milk on top. And I know I got some haters to that too, but it's like, why put milk on milk? But it like gives it this little crystallized top. It's just lit. Try it one time. <laughs> tell me what you think. Just tell me what you think. Have you had this? No, dude. I, I, I think he might have no, tried it dude. once, but he's no. a hater, too. It's fine. No. <laughs> I, I remember you had it, and I was like, hey, let, let me try a piece of that, or let me try some of that. And you, like, as you were doing it, you are like, poured the milk in it. I'm like, oh, I don't want any more now. <laughs> I kind of claimed it, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, you want to claim ice cream, just pour milk in it. I won't touch it. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I I've eat never all- heard of that before. Wow. You're not well, missing you're, out. You are. You know, I used to stir mine not, up until it became like milkshake. Kind of like a milkshake. You can do that. You can do that. If you're going to add like cereal say, on top, I'm for it. I must because that's just like cold dad. milk. <laughs> it's fine. I must I've just never heard dad. of it. I'm not knocking mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I would I literally take it. the gallon as a kid and put milk on it and it would just be just enough so i can put in like a whole gallon there and just put just enough so it kind of coats it and it's like ice on the top and you just it, it's better okay i don't know how to describe it <laughs> hey. it's like that's all i have to say i can't wait tag shelby and all your pictures of your ice cream <laughs> with milk i was the type of person that if somebody like, does try this please let us know how it turns <laughs> out I, I, I would be interested just to hear some uh some 
you know, listener, <laughs> listener response to, to, to these, some of these, these wild food trends. Watch, watch it be some huge thing. <laughs> this, this, that t- really took a different, uh, a different, d- a different direction than I was expecting. But what I was going to say is someone asked if we had any social media tips. Because <laughs> it's your flavor. I think it's like everyone has their different vibe on social media. Oh, I mean, I'm not mad about where I went. I just did Okay. Uh, any social media tips? Like in general, ice ice cream is good on social media. <laughs> yeah, it does sure. well. You will probably get better engagement if you post pictures of ice cream all the time. Straight that's up. a that's a great tip. <laughs> Who does well? Right. What what are some things that you? Uh, for for starters, I just want to say I, I wouldn't consider any of us here to be like social media mavens, mavens or gurus mm-hmm. like that. Like we're lucky to get our posts up. So uh, I, I, I <laughs> want to hold each other accountable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're all trying to hold each other accountable to get our posts up. So let's preface it with that. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what type of things, when you're sharing, what, what, what is your focus? Like, when you, with your account, what is your focus? What's, what's something that you like to consider? Well, I think, the, I think the first thing when you think about social media that you have to ask yourself is just, what do you like about social media? Like, why do you use it? Because social media can be really fun, I think, if you follow the right people, you have the right kind of community around you, right? Because social media is what you make it. Like, we can complain about social media all we want, but if, if you don't like what's on your feed, you got to start unfollowing people and following things you do like, because that's mm-hmm. kind of the beauty. You get to curate, so you get to be in charge of that, which is nice. So you have to figure out what you like about it and what parts of that you want to share. Because I think one one trip up the that I often see that we see when we have you know students in teacher training or especially like in our high level mentorships and 300 hours things like that where we're spending more time on the business side of the yoga practice uh, or the yoga industry is feeling like you have to post every day and you have to post things that were taken with a DSLR and perfect lighting and brightly colored specific brand yoga pants and things like that and really for me using social media I find it very freeing to post that stuff when I have it, when I want to take it to make sure I'm having fun when I'm taking those photos. You know, those photos aren't yoga. They're, they're asana that exist within the yoga practice. They're not actually photos of your practice, but to feel like I can also share the other sides of myself. Like I, I wouldn't, I don't think I would want to use my social media if it was only curated photos of myself doing yoga. Like I find joy sharing the funny videos of Harvey like running for tacos when you bring them into the studio and you know pictures of that I even if, you, if I, child. I scroll back in my feed and I used to like share just dumb pictures of sloths and memes that I found on <laughs> tumblr and I was like someone else will think this joke about otters is funny I would just share that I still think the joke about otters is funny so like for me that brings me joy because I'd rather find people that have the same weird sense of humor as me you know and feel like I've got inside jokes with people that are in my community than just the curated thing. Because I went through a phase, we both did, of being more curated than maybe we would have otherwise been. And I didn't feel like it, it didn't bring me as much joy. It didn't recondo me like the, the yoga, <laughs> the social media experience. So what do you I like about like, I don't feel like I was ever that curated. No, but we had a time in our, in we our definitely where, we to... meet, where we contractually had to be more curated than we would have maybe otherwise been. Yeah, I guess I don't even think I was that then. I think the biggest thing that you should always do is that the, the the biggest advice I give anybody with social media is, uh, and it's really the thing I try to do is, which is share content that you can consistently create that you want to create that you would enjoy seeing yourself. So like if you get a bunch of professional photos taken, but that's something that's really hard for you to achieve on a regular basis, that's probably not content you should rely on as being the foundation of what you share 
Um, I also think it's really important to, you know, connect and be interactive with people. Like it's a social media, and so I, I like to comment back with people that, um, you know, that comment on my posts, and I try to write back to as many messages that, that I get as possible, just to connect with people. And uh, I think that's what's really cool about it to me. And so um, I, I don't really put pressure on myself to like grow my account or to make things perform in a specific way you know if those things happen cool but it's really just you know kind of the overall aim of creating things that I would want to watch or enjoy or learn from and then you know hopefully people feel the same and do the same I just think that social media I think sometimes it gets a bad rap for like that you have to use it for your business and there's, there's an, a side to it, you know, that like it's kind of your calling card now. If someone, you know, if you're looking to take a class in a new city and you're like, who is this teacher? What are, they, what are they about? Like I can say from like my own substandard administrative skills as a student owner that I don't always have. Like everyone's up to date bio on the website and you know, that much information about them. So you might not know. So then you end up going to social media and saying, well, what is this Shelby chick all about to try to get a vibe for a class? So. I think it's important to have some presence like that if you're a yoga teacher or a professional in any sort of like public facing manner. It's like your calling card. Um, but I think out, outside of that, like if you're not enjoying the process, then you're not gonna do it in a way that also like brings people to you. Do you know what I mean? Like I can feel when I follow people and they're just throwing me out card stock or like stock photos and stuff like that. You can feel it. Totally. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You guys, what do you guys think about social? I mean, I know that I don't really have necessarily, I would say any tips um, or <laughs> like anything, How about like but what like you've learned along the way. Cause I mean, or, or what do you like to do? What yeah. do you, what do you like about when you share? Well, stuff? if you've, you've put, if you've taken just a gander through my page, I think I like to post my movement quite often. <laughs> <laughs> um, and sometimes uh, if I've maybe read something that day, I'll take like a piece of it and, put my thoughts on it, you know, because I think that maybe someone else can relate and it could be, you know, if someone's having a bad day and maybe they're feeling how I'm feeling, you know, those words could be encouraging um, and whoever happens to see it, great, and whoever doesn't, awesome. Um, but sharing just exactly what you, exactly kind of what Patrick said too, is just what you like to do and what's kind of maintainable. And since I teach all the time, I think that I share my classes all the time because I want you guys to come take my classes mm -hmm. all the time. So um, currently that's kind of where I sit. I used to say I'd share more traveling and fun trip photos of my life, but that hasn't really happened in a year. So <laughs> yoga's all you got right now. And sometimes food, if you catch my stories, I like to cook a lot, so. You've been hitting some, some drinks, some morning frother drinks oh yeah and some morning frothing because i got that that frother and it's awesome i use it every single solitary day i like never go a single day without it and yeah it's wonderful so get some froth stories also <laughs> i can't tell you much else i'm um I'm, I'm sampling milks you know oats not awesome <laughs> i'm like almond milk's not that great either oat is not awesome oat is just water i yeah. don't know it's just not it's just brown water it's the trader joe's oat milk it's straight up brown water that's a little bit on you Okay, you're right, but I just was kind of just wanting to try new milks. You know, people go up to the window, they're like, what do you want? What milk? I got like 10 choices. I don't know. It used to be just milk, and now I got, <laughs> I got like lots of choices. So who knew what would froth and what wouldn't? I didn't know. But um, I do actually like this plant-based milk called Ripple. Uh, because oh, it's got the pea protein one. Yeah, because yeah. it's got protein in it, that so it's like a two for one. <laughs> yeah, and it does <laughs> it. It froths better. I'm getting some protein while I'm drinking my if coffee. You add it's a more wholesome experience. protein powder to your milk, it'll froth away. I had collagen. What? Well. You sent me a text. You were just oh. like, <laughs> what'd you say? I 
I blended up this, this green powder I got. It's apple cinnamon. So I took the rest of my remaining cold coffee and I blended up my ripple milk, some collagen, and my apple cinnamon green scoop and blended it all together to a nice froth consistency with my coffee. And it was awesome. Apple with the coffee was good? I know it sounds good? crazy, but I think it was the cinnamon that kind of overpowered it. it like... All right, for great. the listener, which said, which thing would you ra- which thing have? would you rather try? No, straight. Which thing would you rather try? Milk on the ice cream or apple in the coffee? This. Ooh. <laughs> we, we, uh, got, we got some experimental flavors that, coming. Yeah, I do. You know, today. I've been like that my whole life. I've I've always been an experimenter with things. I'd like put their most random stuff together. I'm like, mm, I wonder how this will turn out. Let's try it. I, I think of that. What was it? Big Daddy lamb and tuna fish. <laughs> <laughs> Quote Big Daddy in 2021. Uh, unfortunately, I can quote almost every yeah. Adam Sandler. I was, like, I can quote a lot. I did. Well, I can't. It's a very, very sneaky, sir. You were also talking about little Nicky not that long ago. Wow, little Nicky. I don't know about that. Man, I have a lot of random. I have a lot of random uh, memorizing quotes. Do you watch any of the new Adam Sandler movies when they come out? Uncut Gems, but that's the last one I saw. But I liked it. Uncut Gems is a grade AA1 movie. I liked it. Uncut Gems. Edge of my seat the whole Mm -hmm. time in that movie. Last thing Mm -hmm. I saw about Adam Sandler, my dad sent me a. uh, He sent me a video of. uh, It must have been on ESPN or something like that, and Adam Sandler hit. Uh, it's like the 25 Happy yeah, Gilmore, like anniversary. The, in an anniversary, and uh, my dad even quoted it in the text. He's like, "Shooter." <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where I get it. I think we just watched them as kids and watched them a ton. <laughs> uh, the the last thing I saw of Adam Sandler after Uncut Gems was. Uh, him trying to put buckets on people in pickup basketball games <laughs> on YouTube. He's got a nice little shot. He's just kind of short. And... <laughs> Dude, I think he's coming in at 5'6". Again, I have no idea if that's true or false. Yeah. but He's definitely he's, not He's tall. out there doing his thing. He's six you foot can, under league you can for sure. It. Dude, how funny would that be, though, if you're, if you're playing hoops, you show up to the gym, and Adam Sandler's already been there putting in work, sweating up his tea. You know what I mean? He's got some sort of Knicks-colored gear on. Dude, I, straight wearing up. The, wearing those 3XL shorts like it's still 2002. You know, I'd be that, that annoying vibe. fan. That I would, I would like, find those all the quotes that I know. And I would wait for every drive. Like, if he missed it, I'd be like, come on, man. Just tap it in. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would have all of these... <laughs> I would have all these things ready. Like Adam Sandler, if he's ready to play hoops, I'm ready to like <laughs> to jargon with him. You are so quick on your feet with that one. I know. I, I'm t- name another movie. Like I'm, we're ready. So I used to sing the back to school songs from Billy Madison like, I know in it. my head. Yep. It'd be in my head for weeks at a time. Now it's in Or like like free throws. I'd be like, stop looking at me, Schwan. Like that's where my head went. I don't know anything you guys are talking about. What? I watched Billy Madison so many times. Billy As a Madison, kid, yeah, Water so Boy, like, uh, Big Daddy, all, all of them. And he went through this happy Madison production. I'm like, good for you, bro. Now it's not like the MGM Tiger. It's the it's the guy swinging the golf club. And it's like... Got the whole thing. Got the whole production. <laughs> I, uh, I saw some... Some NFL lineman said he started football just because of uh, Water Boy. Water Boy. Yeah, wow. he made the NFL so he's like, I guess I owe Adam Sandler a lot. Wow. <laughs> so you never you never know whose life you're you know touching. Who you're impacting. 
Uh, and so that's why you should post on your social media. <laughs> let's, let's, let's wrap that around. You never know who you're impacting. <laughs> but I, you know, we obviously are laughing, but there, I think there's definitely some truth to yeah, that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so right, I, though, honestly, I did see a thing the other day that that was like a joke about being old. I say old in quotes, like being thirty. That was like these kids these days. They have all these memes to share. All we had was Billy Madison quotes and <laughs> like a few mm-hmm. other things to throw around. I can make a lot of memes. Like in the know, mm-hmm. same sense of humor as you. And that's what clearly CJ and I, you know, yeah. our entire childhood for. Was, you just gotta was have fun with it. That was, we're like five days apart. It makes sense. One mind here. All right, y'all. Last question of the day, and I will answer it because it's just randomly directed towards our teacher training programs. And plain and simple, the first one is, will there be more programs coming up this year, specifically during the summer? The answer to that is definitely yes. The big thing that we are trying to currently figure out is the when and which trainings will be happening. So there will be... Uh, to happening guaranteed throughout the rest of this year, but we're just not quite sure which ones they will be. Definitely one will be a 200, and the other one will potentially be a 300, but we are just in the developmental uh, phase of that. And the reason that has slowed down, you can 100% blame me and my foot exploding four months ago. So uh, as I am getting more and more back into action, um, you know, more things are being getting to open up for us to recreate or create, not recreate, but create some new we'll stuff. We'll recreate for, our 300 hour, but online. But in an online format. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the last question around that is how are some graduates finding the current job market and teaching online? And I've seen a number of students, number one, finding their own way teaching Zoom classes. I've seen, uh, they've you know sent us messages and screenshots of the groups that they're getting, which is really cool. Uh, because we have students from all over the world, I've seen people get jobs teaching in person in Australia, yeah, in New Zealand, where. different parts of Europe, which is awesome. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's awesome to see a number of people out there teaching like pretty straight away. Uh, and one of the things that I really like about our program, and not to plug it too much, but again, if you're you know over an hour into this podcast, <laughs> you're here and, and you know you might be interested. Might be interested <laughs> um, is the especially the 200 hour program? It really, really prepares you to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, That's it, a big emphasis of what we do. Not only will you learn a lot about your own practice, but it really prepares you to go out there and teach because I think it's one of the best ways to really learn if it's something that you want to do or if you want to be a student. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great to be either. I think it's great to be both. Um, But I also think finding what you want out of the practice and how that works for you is such such an awesome um, thing to add into your life, if you will. It's been fun to see this like entrance into the world of teaching from students who are now becoming teachers but who have learned purely online as well because I, I think a little bit as a as teachers like that have spent so much time in front of students we're, we were a little everyone's a little bit hamstrung by like well classes used to be like this and now they have to be like that but I found that a lot of our graduates in this like new world order of teachers uh they're way more creative, like off the get-go. They're like, okay, well, I'll just like start, I'll just, you know, start doing a little podcast. I'll teach some audio classes and I'll send them out to my friends and I'll just start doing that. And, or I'll just, you know, start doing some YouTube classes. Like they're not, I don't feel like they have the preconceived like class only exists in this studio container. And so it's been fun to watch them be creative just right from the get-go. Like, well, no problem, not that it has to be social media, but like, well, I'll just start a TikTok and I'll start teaching on there because there's low pressure, I can create what I want and I can just kind of feel it out. And I think that that has been very 
one, it, it pushes me to kind of like think outside the box a little bit too, because we have so much experience in like the more traditional world. But it's been very interesting to see people, okay, in this new online world, I may not be stepping into the studio in this immediate moment. So how can I still garner experience in the meantime, that's going to continue to prepare me for when in-person classes are more of a reality. So I'm constantly impressed by the stuff that everyone is coming up with and figuring out how to continue teaching um, in this world. I also know that some studios are still hiring teachers <coughs> online to teach those classes as well, just like they would in person. So I definitely think that that is also an avenue that um, that students are exploring. Yeah, again, I've seen I've just seen a number of people mm -hmm. out there teaching, which has been really cool. So, and yeah. I'd say I'd say too, like um, for for some of you who are you know everybody's a little bit bummed that that studios aren't open. But to be honest, if you're new teaching online, teaching YouTube, teaching to your friends, to, like you're teaching way more than you would in a studio. You're getting like as a news teacher, you'd be lucky to get like a number of classes just for being new. It's just like just how it is. It's the process of things. Now you don't have to limit yourself and you get to, you know, continue to get better and to explore things. So I think just teaching the more that you teach, the better you're going to get because you're going to get more and more insight on how you're doing things and feedback. And so uh, it's really cool to see everyone still doing it virtually because you're only going to get better when you teach. Couldn't agree more. And I think that's a great note to wrap up this episode on. As always, y'all, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we look forward to chatting with y'all next week. Have an amazing rest of your day. Peace.